mindfulness mode. We show up for everybody else and we forget to show up for ourselves. And when we start really asking ourselves, what do I need? What do I want? How do I get there? You'd be amazed at how the seas will part for you. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show today. And today I'm with an artist. And guess what? She's also a person who has been a teacher for quite a long time as well. So I have a lot in common with my guest today. And at one point in time, well, it was 2015, she picked up a paintbrush for the first time since her childhood. And that was the catalyst for a major shift in her career. And in June 2017, she decided to retire from her career in education and fully embrace an artist's life. How exciting is that? And uh, she modeled this new life for her daughters and taught them the importance of listening to your soul's purpose by following your bliss. So I'm sure you can just hardly wait to meet my guest and to learn what she has to share with us today. It's going to be so exciting. I'm here today with Dana Sardano. Dana, are you in mindfulness mode today? Of course. Of course. <laughs> well, what does mindfulness mean to you, Dana? You know, I would think that I would interchange it with, with awareness. Okay. When we are aware of ourselves, our motivation, and how it affects um, our circumstances and our relationships and the world around us, I think in those moments, we're probably the most mindful. Right. Yeah, I would agree with you. Well, I want to go back to that moment when you first picked up the paintbrush. What led you to that place? Oh, my goodness. Oh, you just give me the chills when you ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was it was it's really something I was actually earlier today. I was on the phone with a friend of mine and we were talking about when people get impulses or nudges and some people just kind of disregard them. And, and some people, they have to be really loud to do them. And I'm one of those people that I will like stop what I'm doing to listen to that nudge because I've learned it's really my my soul speaking to me, directing me in, in the, the best place to go. So at the time, I was full-time educator, uh, worked on high schools, a director of student development, did all things to assist students that had uh, learning disabilities and also all things discipline. So I was suspending kids. I was creating behavioral and academic plans for kids. Like it was a very, very stressful job. And I also tutored for the SAT. So this was my career. I was not an artist. I was always creative, nothing like that. And um, one Friday afternoon, I was tutoring for the SATs. And I texted my husband and I was like, hey, why don't we go do one of those painting with a twist classes tonight? You know, like where a bunch of women really get together and like paint it something, drink wine. And he's yeah. like, no, I'm not going to hang out with a bunch of women drinking wine. He's like, but I'll take you to Michael's. I'll buy you anything you want and we'll go home and we'll paint at home. And I was like, oh, cool. I had two small children at the time. They had a babysitter. So we were going to take advantage. So we go home and I'm like, Robbie, I'm going to paint you an elephant. And I painted the elephant for him that I saw on the ad for this painting with a twist glass. And I painted this elephant and he was like, oh, my God, I think you're good. And I was like, I think so, too. But something awoke in me that I could not not paint after that. Like I, like I lost my mind. Like every night I would come home from work again, the grueling job, the commute, the fighting with the parents, fighting with the administration, the whole nine. And I would feed my kids, put them to bed. Like I said, they were young, put the sheet on the table and I would paint. 
And I, my office at school, I had paintings all over my office. I was like, Oprah, I was giving away paintings. I was like, you get a painting and you get a painting. And I just could not not do this. And it quickly evolved to the art festivals, to people commissioning me, to me creating a website. And here we are today. Wow, that's cool. Did you paint all those paintings on canvases or on what? Yeah, yeah. My my primary um the the primary mediums, I do acrylic on canvas. I'll do watercolor from time to time. I'll paint on rocks. I'll paint on what I painted mailboxes. Oh my God. I painted murals. Now that I'm thinking, I will just I painted everything. <laughs> if my kids, if my kids move too slow, I painted on them, you know? And so I just painted everything because I had to express myself. And probably I started painting it's eight years ago, January. So I started painting, like I would go pull a picture up on the internet and I would paint it but it always had my own style sure and then probably four five six months in i painted a mother and child together yes and then then i found my voice then i lost my mind then it was all mother child in every possible way elephant mother children mermaid mother children mother children mother children then i started painting you see behind me yes these independent women and right. I started painting that. And so everything I do, I paint animals and all sorts of stuff, but mm -hmm. really about the empowerment of women and about the love that that they are that they share for themselves, for each other, for their families. And uh, and like I said, really found my voice pretty early on. And do you remember the first time a random person wanted to buy one of your paintings? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about it. Oh my God. Ever. I had posted, I painted a picture of a boat, real abstracty, but a boat with some fish and palm trees or whatever. And I posted it on Facebook and a friend uh, of my husband was like, oh my God, I love that. Could you paint that for me in 48 by 48, which is huge. Mm -hmm. And he paid me like 500 bucks. And I was like, oh, I lost it. I was like, it was stressful, but yeah. I was like, oh my God, I could get paid for this. And it became <laughs> like my life's work. Like every, like I would paint it. I was measuring. I had to go get the canvas. Like in that, like that moment, took a picture of the check, posted it. Like it was like a big deal. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And do you still love to paint huge paintings like that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm now like, I don't paint originals that often anymore because now I'm writing. I do a lot of reproductions because a lot of people love the artwork, but it's expensive because mm -hmm. it's one of a kind. So I'll do like, for example, these two behind me, I could do them this big, I could do them this big. So I do a lot of reproductions, but when I do sit down to paint an original, I always, I'm like the largest canvas you got. Because, oh, are you? Because I know it's going to be like a project. Like it's like, I'm going to pour myself into it. Yeah. So when did you get into the writing? Had you done writing before or did you get into that after? You know, Bruce, I I'm, you probably could relate to this. Do you notice when you look back at your life, everything you've done as like insignificant as it may seem kind of prepares you for the next day? Yeah, You're totally. Like, oh, yeah, I, learned, I can do that and I apply it, right? Yeah, totally. So. So I was never, I never considered myself a writer, but as a part, I, my background's in special ed, but I taught English and history. So I was always very much into the history and I learned the mechanics of writing. When, when somebody asked me if I would um, assist them in tutoring for the SATs, they had the math brain. And they're like, I need somebody with, with the writing brain. So I taught the reading comprehension. I taught how to write. It evolved into, um, uh, doing college essays with kids. And like I said, I taught English in my classes. So I, I have the skills and I'm a storyteller. So it just kind of was the natural progression. You know, I always knew I had a lot 
<laughs> I always knew I had a lot to say. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but, a, but a lot of wisdom that I picked up along the way and I just, you know, put it into these books. Wow. Wow. That's great. And do you remember when you, that, that idea came to you? Oh my gosh, maybe I need to leave education and walk away from it. And how scary was that? Or was it scary at all? <laughs> it was probably scarier for my husband. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I remember what I said to him. Um, I'm like, listen, I can't, I can't, because my job was getting more and more stressful. You know, when the writing's yeah. on the wall to leave a relationship of any kind, yeah. right? You're getting all the signs and you just kind of ignore them and it gets more and more difficult, more and more challenging, you know? And so I, the, the writing was on the wall for a couple of years at my job. And, um, and so I said to my husband, I'm like, listen, I got to leave. I can't do this. Anymore. I can't do that when I know I can do this. And he was like, you want to leave it? My husband is, I call him the schmoopy. He's the schmoopiest of all schmoopies. He's so amazing. <laughs> and he he was like, listen, you want to leave your job? He's like, that's fine. But the two of us, independently and together, obviously, we're making six figures. Yeah. He's like, if you want to leave your job and I have to, I'm going to support the family myself, we have to sell this house. We have a beautiful little house by the beach in Fort Lauderdale. He's like, you know that fancy car that you drive? I drove a Mercedes at the time. You know that fancy car that you drive? He's like, you're going to have to drive a car that you could afford. And at no exaggeration, I handed him the keys to my car. We put the house on the market. Within six months, we moved to a less expensive house. He cre he put a, a the largest shed you could find on my property and totally like macked it out. He put um he insulated it in an air conditioned unit. Had a loft. We painted it. We put shrubs around it. This beautiful little what people call a she shed, which was my studio. And I painted for two years while I figured out how I was going to make a living doing what I'm doing. So. I was not scared. He was fearful, but at the same time, super, super supportive. Because you know, Bruce, when you know, when you feel it, I mean, I, I read up enough about you to know that you have a passion and you have a purpose and you have a belief and there's nothing else you can do when you are invested in doing that. And that's yes. kind of what it turned into for me. Right. Wow. That's, that's a very cool story. Now, I know you wrote a book called Veda finds her crown. Tell us about that book. Yes. So, so I've written a few, but that was the first one. And Veda finds her crown is, it's a story. It's actually, it's a story and workbook combined. The story is about a little girl who goes, it's very a uh, wizard of Ozzy. She mm -hmm. goes on a, a, a search for her crown and she picks up her friends along the way. Right. Mm -hmm. And what it, each character represents one of our energy centers in our body. The people who kind of lean towards the metaphysical and towards like, I guess, the woo-woo, you know, the chakras, right? But mm -hmm. essentially we have seven energy centers from root to crown. And each of them is, it coincides really with Maslow's hierarchy of needs of our developmental stages and, and our needs in, in those different places of, um, and those different energy centers. So just to give you an example, your root is like where you're sitting, right? So your root is, is represented in red and it is about your safety and your groundedness. Your sacral chakra is in your, um, I guess for me, like in my uterine area, I mean, I don't know, yeah, yeah. Sure. In, my, in my privates. And yeah. it's really about passion and creativity, your solar plexus, confident, your heart, love, your throat, yeah. your authenticity, and so on and so forth on your way up. So I wrote this little story about this girl, Veda, who represents the third eye chakra. It's the intuition and imagination. And she goes to find her crown and she meets up with all of her friends who are misaligned versions of that chakra. 
So Jack, who is the root, he is what it looks like when your root chakra is misaligned. So he doesn't feel safe. He's angry. He's not grounded and so on and so forth. And they go on this, this, this mission to find her crown. Obviously she finds it in the end. We all rejoice. But then the second part of the book is, is a workbook and it's exercises for people geared towards adolescents really, but to, to align themselves in an emotional way, in a psychological way, based on asking themselves questions. So when people hear chakras, they think crystals and meditation, but really it's the practical approach and how to pull yourself together. So I have, I actually have the cards because I teach a, a workshop on it. I have the cards mm -hmm. on my desk, but the cards, can I, can I read you one? Just yeah, please do. Yeah. Please read a card. So, so, so just to give you an example, the crown chakra her name okay. is Moksha. Okay. Veda is the third eye. I'm not going to go through all of them. But Pravda is the, the so these are the little characters, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to read you Daya. Mm -hmm. So Daya is the solar plexus. And that's okay. all about your confidence. Right. So the affirmation on, front, on the front is, I choose the best for myself always. And then on the back, the, the um, message mm -hmm. is, love yourself for your quirks. We are all unique and have things about our appearance and personalities that make us unique. Embrace and celebrate yours. That's what makes you, you. Identify a unique quality that you have and celebrate it. And so each of them, based on, again, whatever the energy center is, has has something that corresponds with uh, that way of being. Oh, that's really cool. Did you create the, really cool. Did you create the cards at the same time that you wrote the book? No, no. So I wrote the book. I created the the characters, the illustrations, because yeah. I did yep. all of it. I wrote it. I illustrated it. Mm -hmm. So I, I did the illustrations. I wrote the book with the workbook. And then when it was finished, I was like, oh, this needs a deck of cards. This needs something tangible that every day a kid could just pull a car out, depending on how they're feeling mm -hmm. and uh, or depending on which energy center that they want to focus on. Yeah. And it's good also for like educators and parents, you know, to work with kids. Totally. So yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's special. It's really special for sure. And what kind of feedback have you received from this? Oh my God, people love it. So, so I teach, like I said, I teach these workshops online. Yeah. I do some stuff out of the gallery. I, I, I have a gallery in Stewart, Florida. And so I do private groups and workshops based on chakra, based on all my stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Basically all my stuff that I've created is based on what I do in this gallery. But when I've done this workshop, I initially created it for caretakers, like teachers, Mm -hmm. Teachers can get continuing education. So I created it for them to help them how to teach the children. And then I created it for children. But I had a group of people that wanted to take the workshop as adults. So I modified it for adults. And, and the response is great because you have a lot of people that want to do the work on themselves. They want to feel better. They want to have better lives. And there's so much stuff out there in the self-development, right? Yeah. And this makes it fun. It makes it fun. It makes it approachable. We're dealing with these little characters, you know, yeah. and it makes it practical. Like there's, there's actual how to stuff to do in it. So the response has really been positive, really good stuff. Wow. That's fantastic. And your, your gallery is called Ubuntu gallery ubuntu fish gallery and i have to point out that this is spelled u b u n t u 
Ubuntu, UbuntuFishGallery.com. <laughs> Go to the website, check it out, and tell us. I know the answer to this, but you tell us. What does Ubuntu mean? Um, Ubuntu means, uh, in the in the simplest translation, I am because we are. And it's all about this unity consciousness, right? I right. I can't be well, happy, and whole if I know that the people I care for aren't. So it's Ubuntu. Right. And when did you first discover that word? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm sure people who are listening, there's people who have stumbled across. There's a, there's a story. I think it's a, a parable, but there's a story that I found on the internet probably mm -hmm. about 10 years ago. Can I share it with you? Yeah, definitely. So I stumbled upon this story about this anthropologist who was studying a tribe in Africa. And when he was waiting for his uh, transportation to bring him back to the States, he was hanging out with the kids of the village. And he said, all right, kids, while we wait, we're going to play a game here. He's like, I got some candy that I bought in the city. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put this candy by the tree here. And I want you guys to all line up. And on the count of three, I want you to race to the tree. And whoever gets to the tree first gets the candy. And the kids are like, yay. And they all line up and they're all excited. And he's like, one two, three. And on three, they all linked arms and they all ran to the tree together. Oh. And the anthropologist was dumbfounded. You see, all yeah. like, he looks at the tree, all the kids are sitting, they're all sharing, they're eating, they're having the best time. And he walks over and he says to one of the girls, he's like, what are you doing? Why, why would you do this? Why would you share essentially if you didn't have to? Yeah. And she looks around and she says, Ubuntu, I am because we are. And when I read that story, my kids, my kids are now 12 and 13. So they were like one and two. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes, this, all of this. Yeah. And I changed everything in my home. Everything became Ubuntu. Like my children, they probably were like 10 before they realized that it wasn't a part of the general vernacular. Like if one wasn't sharing, the other would be like, mommy, now that I'm doing like everything was Ubuntu. So when I started painting, it only made sense to call my artwork Ubuntu because it brought me so much joy, joy to create it. Wow. If you received it with that joy, it's Ubuntu. So yeah, so the galleries Ubuntu, my art's Ubuntu, everything's Ubuntu. What a great story. I just absolutely <laughs> love that. Wow. Wow. It, it you, you just sound like you have so much energy and so much love for life and you have so much security in who you are. Is that 100%. right? Yeah. 100%. And, and you know, Bruce, it takes a lot of work to be able to sit in your skin and feel good there. And, uh, and I've done the work every day because I, I, I learned how to value myself after not having valued myself most of my life. Mm. And when you do that, a light goes on and there, I always say you can't unsee grandma naked. You know, you say you're naked, that's <laughs> it, you're done. And I've, I've, seen, <laughs> I've seen what it's like to, to feel good and to be confident and to be, you know, for to be aligned you know, and yeah. once that happens, all you want to do is help others to do the same. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you've got that excitement. Well, then you went on and you wrote some other books, and one of them was called 10 Recommendments for Personal Empowerment Beyond the Ten. Can you tell us about that book? Well, the 10 Recommendments for Personal Empowerment and Beyond the Ten are two separate books. Because okay. Beyond the Ten, it's, it's Beyond the Ten decoding the woo-woo. So okay. it's, it's like the, yeah. So 10 recommendments um, was born um, as a result of all of the work that I do in the gallery. I do intuitive guidance with people. Like I said, I do workshops because it's an art gallery and intuitive lounge. Mm -hmm. So I started to do the art and then it morphed into, well, when you're creative, your intuition 
expands. Or when you're intuitive, you have a desire to be creative that kind of go hand in hand. So that's what the gallery is all about. But I would do this intuitive guidance. And you know, you've worked with kids for years. You find yourself telling the same story, the same anecdote, the same analogy, like over and over. And you'll laugh about this. In the spring of 2021, my whole family got COVID. We like dropped like flies, like all four of us. We're like, boom, boom, boom. boom. I was the last to go down. I was like, no, but it, yeah. <laughs> I went down as well. And when I was in bed in forced stillness, because I'm always out doing all these things, I would find, this was after like, I was like super sick and like, you know, you think you're going to die and then you kind of get better and you're just laying yeah. there. Um, all of this profundity, all of these profound, this profound wisdom was falling into my head. So all the stuff I would teach in my workshops and stuff was falling into my head, like in a boat, like, like wrapped in a bow. And so I was like, oh, wow, maybe let me put this in my phone. So I would like write it in my notes and in my head. It, I, they started adding up and I was like, this is probably going to be like a lecture series at the gallery or something. So when I felt even better, I sat down, I'm like, let me organize them into a file. And I realized there was 10 of them. And I was like, huh. And I'm like, well, let me write a little blurb about each. And next thing I know, I'm like, holy crap, I'm writing a book. So I wrote this book based on it. It's, it's, um, it's like a how to meets uh, a loose autobiography. So I take all these embarrassing stories about myself <laughs> and things yeah. that I learned over the years yeah. and and the wisdom that I gleaned from them. And I created these 10 recommendments and um, and the book is, is really good. Like, I also teach a workshop on that. And the people who take the workshop or read the book, like the responses that I receive, they all say the same thing. If you're willing to do the work, it's freaking life-changing. I'm like, I know, that's why I wrote it. So, yeah. Cool. That's amazing. That's, that's fantastic. Well, I want to ask you about the topic of bullying because I've worked in that field for a long time. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? You know, I think I don't have a specific one, but I think all bullying would decrease dramatically if people, and again, I'm not going to leave this just to children because people, adults are bullies as well. Yeah. If we individually um, learned to value ourselves and not to like circle back to Veda, but that's why Veda is so important because what I do is I touch on every developmental age and when the trauma or when something happens that, that alters the mindset that creates a belief system that might be, um, uh, toxic or doesn't serve you, right? If I, like bullies really are really looking for power. They're looking to be seen and heard, right? Yeah. So we label them. And, and even as adults, we label like the narcissist, right? Oh, the narcissist and the empath or the bully and the victim. But the reality is all of us, every single one of us, the bullies and the non-bullies, we all just want our needs met. The, totally. bully, the bully just doesn't know how to get his or her needs met in a healthy, functional way. So we could teach the, the the children who are being bullied how to be more empowered, but we could also teach the bully on how to properly get his or her needs met and how to um, be well, happy, and whole themselves. Because then they won't there won't be any. You won't have to protect yourself from a bully if there's no need to be a bully. Right. Exactly. Right. So yeah. so to answer your question, no, I don't really have a specific. Um, story, but I believe we all have the ability to be bullies when our needs aren't being met. So that's, that's the first priority. 
Yeah, well, th well, thanks for sharing that, your insight into this, because you're very knowledgeable about people and children, adults. You're very knowledgeable about how we survive or don't survive in the world, and some of us don't make it, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate, but many of us are looking out to help others. If we all, every single one of us, could turn and look and help ourselves and become... Uh, empowered and grounded and safe, right? I could go through all the shockers. If if we all become grounded and safe, then we'll have the ability to assist others. Yes. And that's and that's how we, I believe, eliminate bullying of all kinds. Yeah, I totally agree. I really appreciate talking to you. I mean, this is absolutely fascinating. As we move forward in the interview, Dana, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? My husband. Uh -huh. Yeah, my husband. I tease him because he is the the eye dotter and the T crosser and he's very rigid, but he has taught me my own worthiness. For when I met him, I for the first time saw myself through his lens and really discovered my own worthiness. So he has taught me how to be mindful, how to be um respectful to myself. Yeah, my husband, he's a good man. That's awesome. And tell us how mindfulness has affected how you deal with your emotions everything the thing about mindfulness is it's we're quick in 10 recommandments i think it's the second recommandment i will i shall not become entrenched in my emotions we get all sorts of entrenched in our emotions our emotions are just a guide to show us what's good for us and what's not so if we feel yucky then don't do that and if we feel good do more of that and so if we're mindful of our emotions then we can regulate them oh my god yeah, that's and it, I love I love how excited you are about this. Everything. <laughs> so oh my god. <laughs> it is. It is exciting. It yeah. really is. Yeah, yeah totally yeah. exciting. Yeah. So let's talk about breathing. Are there any techniques or any thoughts or any ideas about breathing that have to do with mindfulness? Oh, as I take a deep breath. You know, I, I have a lot of friends in the metaphysical community and they're doing breath work and all sorts of stuff, but I have truly learned to take a breath. I've learned mindfulness. I've learned to become mindful of when I hold my breath, when I'm tense. I've learned to become mindful of when I'm in pain or worried to breathe through it. You know, when you see Lamaze, you know, people are giving birth and they're teaching yep. them how to breathe. I remember like as a young woman, I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I've come to realize that the breath is when you focus on the breath, it, it really, you could handle anything anything. So for me, just the act of when I feel myself get tense to take a breath or before I make a rash decision to take a breath, it's it, the clarity comes right in when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, okay. Well, let's talk about books. You've uh, written some incredible books and we've talked about them already. Are there any other books that you would recommend that are related to this topic? I'm going to share a little secret. I'm not much of a reader. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I I don't have the, I, I'm like a doer. Like I like to learn through my mistakes or through mm -hmm. my experience. But in when I was teaching, uh, when I was teaching English in high school, 
I loved books like The Celestine Prophecy, uh, The Alchemist. They're, you know, we could call them mindful books, but it's the whole idea of mindfulness. It's all about um, paying attention to yourself, your needs, your, um, your motivation. And if it's unhealthy or toxic, rectifying it. So those type of books, um, I really, really enjoy. And some of my friends have written some amazing books that fall under the category of mindfulness. So, so yeah, that's a little bit of a nebulous answer, but. Cool. It's interesting though. Are there any apps you would recommend? You know what I would recommend for people who really want to kind of get a sense of how to become more uh, mindful. It's a little bit broad, but are you, do you know who um, Abraham Hicks is? Yes. So when I when I began this, I call it an unintentional spiritual or mindful journey. Like it was really unintentional. Mm -hmm. I was going to be an artist. I was going to move out into the woods and become an artist. And then all of a sudden, you know, return to nature, everything opened up for me, right? Mm -hmm. But I stumbled across a meme by Abraham Hicks or Esther uh, Esther Hicks. And I was like, who's yeah. this Abraham Hicks guy? I actually wrote about it, decoding the woo-woo. And when I looked it up, I started listening to those videos and watching YouTube videos and this idea that if we could all just understand that we're all energy and we learn how to read and understand and interpret, and manipulate that energy, um, everything starts to make sense. So that I would highly recommend if somebody's looking how to best navigate their lives uh, to check out uh, those YouTube videos because she's amazing. All right. Yeah, she is amazing. Absolutely. We'll put all this in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So yeah, that's great. And uh, as we finish up the interview, do you have any final words of advice, Dana, for our Mindful Tribe listeners? Well, firstly, I want to thank you, Bruce. You you are you're delightful. I know that's weird to say to a man, but you are you are great. And and I appreciate your tolerance for my because I I stopped trying to control it. Like I love I your energy. Trying to like, oh my god, tone it down. No, no, I'm over fifty. I don't tone it down anymore. So <laughs> so I want to thank you for that. But my I think my greatest piece of advice would be to to just show up for yourself. We show up for everybody else, and we forget to show up for ourselves. And when we start really asking ourselves, what do I need? What do I want? How do I get there? You'd be amazed how the seas will part for you. Yeah, that's great advice. And it's absolutely awesome to meet you and to talk to you yeah. and to to get to share that energy that you're putting out into the world. This is awesome. <laughs> and all that you're doing for the world. So thank you so much for that. And thank you again for being on the show, Dana. Oh, Bruce, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, all the best to you. Bye now. Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening today. And don't you think it's so appealing to live your life in color the way Dana described in this episode I was just so taken with this interview and really enjoyed hearing her story about how she transitioned into this life of being an artist well today it's Easter Sunday and what a great day to think about becoming an artist or just doing some art of some kind. It's just really a beautiful day here in Canada. And I hope it's a beautiful day where you are, whether you celebrate Easter or you don't. I just hope you're having a fantastic weekend. Thanks again for listening to the show. And... Uh, yeah, if you don't mind checking out my YouTube channel, I just want to thank everybody who has and who has subscribed and who's left a 
comment of some kind, you can find it at mindfulnessmode.com slash TV, or you can search on YouTube Mindfulness Mode Podcast, and you'll find my Mindfulness Mode channel. So with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.